In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode two twenty five. Two twenty five. We reached a, uh, a, a, a a quarter episode, so we decided to do something special. Actually, no, it just happened to work out that way. <laughs> for uh, for Green Lantern's seventy fifth anniversary, we are covering a uh, three issue uh, series that I am about ninety five percent certain we've never covered on the Lantern Cast before. <laughs> I searched I searched our archive and I didn't find it based on any of our keywords but because Jim kind of screwed up a, did a lot of weird ass uh, <laughs> labeling of episodes and kind of strange descriptions toward the beginning they could have <laughs> and it just didn't pop up in my searches but I'm pretty sure we've never covered this and if we did we're covering it again people <laughs> that's right <laughs> what we're covering we are covering Green Lantern Heart of Darkness. This is the three-issue miniseries by Ron Mars and Paul Pelletier, uh, covering, um, it's, uh, it, I mean, spoilers, uh, but it, it covers uh, a story involving the Star Heart, and uh, Alan Scott is heavily involved. Uh, so, you know, given the 75th anniversary is a celebration of just, you know, Green Lantern, the concept, it still is also a celebration of the actual character of Alan Scott himself. So it makes sense to do a, a sort of Alan Scott-centric storyline. Um, so we're covering uh, now, is it is it Green Lantern and Sentinel Heart of Darkness across all of them? Yes. Or is it, yes. does that change? No, it's Green Lantern and Sentinel. Okay, cool. All right, uh, just by the way, guys, I'm doing this digitally, and my digital copy has have no ads. Mark is doing this with the actual issues. Um so we're just going to go ahead and kick it right off, guys. So Green Lantern and Sentinel number one, Heart of Darkness, the title of the story is, uh, well, there's two titles. The The title on the cover is A Daughter Lost, and the uh, title on the inside is Fathers and Sons. Um, but uh, this is uh, by, obviously, like I said, uh, Ron Mars is the writer. Paul Pelletier does pencils. Dan Davis on inks. Chris Iliopoulos on letters. Dan Wright is the colorist, uh, and, and uh, Kevin Dooley is the editor, uh, along with uh, Dana Curtin as the associate. <clears throat> Opens off with a very pissed off Alan Scott. Parallax saying, Alan Scott. <laughs> Parallax Alan Scott. Uh, uh, gripping Kyle by the shirt and saying, where's my daughter? Um, at, Kyle's like, oh, take it easy, dude. <laughs> And he's in the the, the, the I'm going to do a little bit more of an in-depth recap than I usually do. 
Uh, try and keep it short still, but whatever. Uh, the the narrative box is, this would look good. Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, snuffs the current title holder. Who'd be me, Kyle Rayner? And the thing is, I probably deserve it. Um, Alan calms down and is just like, you know what, I've just, I've just been out of sorts since you, you, you called me. I came all the way here from Gotham and I've, I, Gotham and I've just been churning inside and I, I, I had to let it out, let it out, but it, it shouldn't be directed at you. Um, you know, tell me what happened. And, uh, I came home, Jade wasn't here, no note, no nothing, but it, it looks like she left all of a sudden because, and he picks up this, you know, ice cream off the floor and, and Alan says, Jenny's not one to let Ben and Jerry's go to waste. Um, that, that's no good tramp, though, I'm sorry. <laughs> my feelings about Jenny Lynn Hayden are, uh... Ben and Jerry, what a tramp! <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Kyle says, I think, you know, I, I, I think something's wrong, and Alan's like, yeah, you, you did right to call me, did you call her brother in Los Angeles, and her brother's Obsidian, by the way. Um, he says, uh, that's actually good. Uh, I called Todd just to make sure he, he, he was all right, but I didn't let on what happened. You, you know how over uh, protective he is to Jenny to the point of his obsession. Um, Kyle asked Alan if, he, if they've got any leads, like if they've got anywhere to even start, because there's no clues in the apartment of what happened. Jenny's just gone, so you know, where do we start? Alan says, Brainwave Jr., and Kyle's like, what? So he explains it, and I'm going to explain it too because the – it gives a little star about this, and it says you could read the, what happens in the titles Extreme Justice, number 17 and 18. I've never read Extreme Justice, but I've heard of its reputation. <laughs> so rather than subject you guys to that, I'm just going to read exactly what Alan says here. <clears throat> Alan says, Henry King Jr., the only child of Brainwave, one of the Justice Society's old foes. He took his father's name and inherited some of his mental abilities, but the son wanted to be a hero and joined Infinity, Inc., which is a great series, by the way. A bit wordy, but great. Uh, along with Jenny and Todd, and eventually uh, became Jenny's boyfriend. Then his father died and literally willed the kid the bulk of his own mental powers, and it turned out to be too much for him. He walked away from Infinity, Inc., and Jenny, the power... Uh, and Jenny. The power unhinged his mind, and he attacked an arm of the Justice League, which was Extreme Justice. He's been institutionalized ever since, and as far as I'm concerned... If something happened to Jenny, he's the prime suspect. Um, Kyle says he, you know, the name sounds familiar. Um, we're we're going to go talk to him. You know, we, I figured I'm not exactly high on your list right now. And he says, my daughter's very likely in danger. I could use your help if you'll give it. Um, so Kyle charges up. Kyle looks at him, or, or Alan looks at him kind of uh, admirably. And Kyle's like, well, what he says you don't have an oath but just seeing you with that brings me back to when i called myself green lantern like five issues ago only kidding <laughs> right. um he says when we were to, when we get together at warriors you don't really talk much about those days what was it like when you were green lantern and why'd you stop so I, I know i'm going panel by panel here but i really like it because there's even though they're on as an actual story a plot I do like and really miss these little interactions like this in these characters, so I I I, I really like highlighting them. Um, he says, "I'll tell you on the way. Come on, we've got some place to go." So they're flying off. Alan uh, recaps his history, basically, you know, starting with the, the the train crash that gave him his powers, his time in the Justice Society, um, finding out that uh, he had children in the form of Jade and Obsidian, uh, and then of course uh, talking about his youth being restored. 
and and then the the relevant point, which you know uh, is sort of spoilers for the issues coming up, but you know it doesn't really matter. Uh, he says, I trace my use to the star heart itself and uh, now personified and twisted into an evil entity. Uh, I defeated, uh, Alan defeated it and kept the new costume along with the new name, Sentinel. Uh, and then uh, they, they arrive at the asylum, the uh, institution, uh, where Brainwave Jr. is being kept. Um, they're waiting on uh, a chance to get to see him. Alan reveals that he basically funds this place. Um, he says, I wanted to make sure there was some place that could hold Brainwave. Hastings House was built as a uh, country estate in the 19th century by a wealthy industrialist. It's been held by the family until recently when it was put on the market in order to pay off back taxes. I bought it and had it converted into, well, uh, I guess we should call a spade a spade. Had it converted into an asylum expressly for incarcerating Brainwave. I needed to know my daughter would be safe. Um, the doctor comes and lets them uh, lets them in. Um, he's been a you know she talks about how he's been an amazing mind for them to study. Uh, we you know, and uh, Alan says, "Doctor, you'll forgive me, but I don't give a damn about studying him. I just want him locked away." And she says, "Well, we both got what we're looking for, right?" Um, she kind of uh, warns them and says, "He's docile most of the time, but." If something sets him off, uh, during the last incident, he got a, into the head of one of the guards. The guard tore out his uh, his own eyes and hasn't spoken since. Um, so she just gives them fair warning. They go in. He's drooling all over himself. Um, Alan tries to talk to him. Uh, I'm you know I'm Jenny's father. Do you understand me? He doesn't respond. Um, uh, the, Kyle's like, well, maybe we should get out of here. And then all of a sudden. Uh, he starts saying Jenny uh, again and again, or repeating her name over and over and over. Uh, you know, gone, where's Jenny? Jenny, Jenny, where's Jenny? Jenny, Jenny, where's Jenny? Jenny, Jenny, where's Jenny? Uh, keeps repeating it over. Spasms, uh, the lights blow out. Everything starts going uh, MC Escher on them. Um, the lines, uh, everything. What, what is, is it MC Escher that does the stare thing? You know? Does it matter? I'm not sure. Um, stairs to everywhere, up and down and sideways and different rooms and everything's cattywampus and crazy. Obviously, Brainwave has gotten into their minds. They power up with their energy, try and calm them down. Um, Kyle gets transported into his room as a kid. Uh, he sees his father, but his father's face is a missing puzzle piece. Um and, and, you know, Kyle's like, oh, my God, what's happening? He's like, I haven't realized yet, son, I'm the missing piece in your life. You've never been whole without me. Always I felt like there was a void you couldn't fill. Isn't that right? You barely managed to keep yourself together. It was only a matter of time, really, before you started falling apart. And a really cool kind of splash page. Yeah, I like that uh, panel a lot. Uh, Kyle is breaking apart and disintegrating into uh, puzzle pieces. And, you know, why did you let it happen, Daddy? Why did you leave me? I needed you. And now I don't know if I can put myself together again. Um, Alan, uh, is in his own little dream state. Uh, it looks like he's in some military barracks, uh, but it turns out he's actually in a, a, a children's home, uh, or something. Um, and Jenny is a little girl and curled up in the corner. You know, why did you let it happen, daddy? Why did you leave me? I needed you and you weren't there. I called and called. No one answered. No one cared. He says, it's not true. I promise I won't leave you again. And 
suddenly he starts disintegrating into an old, uh, devolving into old man. His costume as well. Uh, his costume transforms back into the original Golden Age Alan Scott. Um, he says, you know, not now, please, my daughter needs me. I let her down once, I can't do it again. She's counting on me, she needs a hero, not a useless old man. Uh, everybody comes to, suddenly, both him and Kyle snap out of it. They see Brainwave Jr. up against a wall, covered in a bunch of black sticky goo, uh, pressing him up against the wall. What is it? You know, is that what I think it is? And then, did you actually think I wouldn't find out? I hoped, I, I hoped you wouldn't. So, what are you doing here, Obsidian? Kind of obvious, isn't it, Dad? I'm here to kill Brainwave. And there stands Obsidian, and next, like father, like son. What do you think? It's a good start. Definitely a good start. Um, uh, I, I keep asking you this because uh, I'm I don't I don't have your history with it committed to memory. Were you reading this as it came out? Yes. Okay, so remind me where this fell along in in because the story the the comic doesn't tell you where this picks up from. So in in continuity, this comes after issue what? Well, ba- based on the ads in this, I can kind of we can kind of guess because there are ads in here, which I just had a second ago. There, are, hold on, where the hell is that? There are ads in here. Let's see. Let's see, for the trade paperback of Final Night. And let's see. So this is 96. 98, excuse me. March. So Hal's dead. Final Night has yeah, happened. Yeah, Mar- Mar- March happened. March 98. Well, Final Night was like ni- Final Night was like 96. So 98. 98. So is it safe to say that Emerald Knights has also happened? Emerald Knights... Because Hal's death happened, the funeral issue was 81, and Emerald Knights was issue hundreds, and you said Final Night happened in, like, I think it when? Was ni- I think it was 96. Okay, and this is happening two years later. This was, March of, this was published in March of 98. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to remember if we had, if, uh, if Emerald Knights was 98 or 99. I think I can find out real quick, but yeah, uh... No, Emerald Emerald Knights was uh, issue ninety eight ninety nine were Future Shock. Well, I don't mean issues. I meant years. I mean oh, years. Okay. I'm trying to figure. I was trying. I was trying to figure out the years. Yeah, Future Shock. Yeah, there's no doubt. And ninety eight ninety nine were Future Future Shock, and then uh, yeah, then we had the issue one hundred. Uh, do 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 do. So I'm assuming Emerald Knights. Uh, Emerald Knights was nine was was also ninety eight. So but, it's but either it came out, just it came after happened this. or it's just about to happen. It's about to happen. So this says uh, June to October of nineteen eighty nine. June to October of nineteen ninety eight was Emerald Knights. So this was published in March of ninety eight. So okay. it's not quite an Emerald Knight time time frame yet. So base so so basically you're somewhere right around like maybe like an issue number. It's probably the early nineties. I'm gonna guess of Kyle. Mm-hmm. You remember what was happening at that time? I should have. Yeah. We should have looked, but I mean, well, uh, Gen- the, the Genesis crossover was somewhere around there. When okay. Desaad, when Desaad, Desaad is, is uh, figuring out Kyle's ring. Yeah. Yeah, that's somewhere around the time frame, and obviously that's somewhere close to leading into another con- the confrontation with Graven, which sends him into uh, Future Shock. So somewhere in that, somewhere in somewhere in that time frame, basically, I think the the early '90s issue numbers is probably where we were at this time. So, 
Definitely like the art, especially on the recap page of Alan's history. Yeah, that was very nice. I like seeing uh, Starman and uh, uh, J- uh, Flash, Jay Garrick. There, who's the other one? God, I, I know, I know the JSA characters. Oh, just, oh yeah, Our Man, maybe. I don't know. Uh, is it Our? It could be. I think it's Our Man. I don't know. Um. Cool. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. Uh, the art does look weird some in some places. I'm kind of loath to point out a particular one, but it doesn't feel as smooth as some other issues, but it's definitely not bad. No, and, we, and obviously we have seen, or well, technically, see Pelletier's art related because he does the even issues of uh, Emerald Knight, speaking of. Mm-hmm. He does 2, 4, and 6, parts 2, 4, and 6 of Emerald Knight, so... But uh, I like the I like the Doctor Quinn reference. She definitely ain't no Doctor Quinn medicine woman. <laughs> good. Like, I like that puzzle. You know, we mentioned the puzzle thing. Yeah, that was that was that was good. Um, I like the head game. the The head game is being played with both of them. That's that was kind of that. Going for their weaknesses, that was pretty. Not overly original, if you will, but still, it was done very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Obsidian. Okay, so now when I say I'm looking at this digitally, guys, um, I want to point out that some of my panels uh, or some of my uh, word bubbles, especially the narrative bubbles, how they're gray like that, they look, uh, because of the way my digital issue looks, they're a little hard to read. I mean, I can still read them clearly, but they're a little more difficult than a printed comic. Uh, I want to say... These images uh, I'm looking at look like you scan the comic and then way increase the contrast uh, on them. So the colors are, are a little off, um, not in terms of, you know, a green doesn't look green or anything, but uh, everything has a, you know, it, it just looks weird as opposed to the printed page. Um, so maybe the art looks a little odd to me more so than it does to someone actually holding the comics in their hands. Um, but uh, one of the things that's really cool is I love Obsidian's power because it's black and it, it, it really jumps off the page, it, it, even digitally. So I'm a, I can only imagine what it looks like on the, the, the printed comic. I, which, by the way, guys, I have the printed comic, but I was just telling Mark, <laughs> since my back's been out, I just, I'm not about to go digging through a, a stack of long boxes. <laughs> I'd rather just much easier pull up the digital issue. <clears throat> but yeah, Obsidian's power looks really cool. It's just a deep, deep black. There's no... It, because it's so... Shat, it, because it's shadow power, usually, you know, like, for instance, the black on Kyle's costume, the black on Kyle's costume has, some, uh, you know, some reflective stuff to it, you know, so you can tell it's a... It's a, almost kind of fabric type costume even though technically it's supposed to be energy but whatever uh there there is none of there's no shading or anything on obsidian's power it is where it's black it is just a deep deep black kind of the way um uh when van skyver was uh doing green lantern and the they had their colorist it, every time the black on the costume was shown it was just solid black right 
and that makes a cool a cool kind of effect. His costume is pretty cool too. It kind of reminds me of uh, looks like a combination between Extant and uh, Adam Warlock. You know what? Now that you say it, yeah, yeah, I was trying to figure out what that looked like, but yeah, for sure. Especially the cape. The cape is Adam. The cape is more Adam Warlock, but the certainly the face and everything is. It looks a lot like Extant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good issue though. I liked. I like it's. I like the setup for you know leading us on one to. I like I like the way it leads us towards towards Brainwave, and then you know obviously as we delve into the story, then we get led in other directions as well. So I think it's pretty cool as far as like again relating to the puzzle pieces, connecting all the pieces to actually see what's there when a couple of pieces might make you think it's something other than what it really is. I seem to remember something else happening in the Extreme Justice series that of of importance to DC history. But I heard horrible things, so I don't remember. <laughs> Was it as horrible as I? I, I never. Me? I don't think I read Extreme Justice. Okay. I don't think that as possible. That may be something I might have an issue or two of, and I just never. I might be. You know what? I might be getting that confused. But when they did the Total Justice comic, I think I might have that Total Justice comic when they were pushing the toys. I don't know if I have Extreme Justice. Hmm. Oh, okay. Extreme Extreme Justice. It mentions that uh, they were later joined by Firestorm. I think I think this is where the series where Ronnie Raymond dies or goes on trial or his his uh, his uh, alter ego as as Ronnie Raymond was revealed and he was put on trial. I don't. I'll, I'll look it up. Whatever. Okay, anything else you want to say about this issue? Uh, Related to the opening about ads, we had – there's there's an ad pushing the Superboy, the last boy on Earth storyline, which obviously was a takeoff on Commandy because you got Superboy with his long hair. So that was kind of cool. Batman Cataclysm was going on at this time. Because okay. they have the on sale in February and on sale in uh, March, all the all the issues that uh, were related to the the massive Quake Rocks Gotham storyline. So that that, that was kind of cool, and like <laughs> and and of course the uh, a, a Six Flags ad combined with uh, a pay per view ad for Batman and Robin. <laughs> but the best quote ever by Bill Klein from NBC TV: "The best Batman ever." So obviously that man should never be, have been allowed to review another movie after that. But other than that, do you know what killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the Ice Age. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, that April Fool's episode can't come around soon enough. We have some good ideas for that one, but no, it was. Back with the focus on the actual story, it was a pretty good issue. <laughs> go, go now! Alright, you want to take issue two? I'll consider it. <laughs> issue two, Heart of Darkness. And we should point out also, uh, I'll point it out because I'm not sure if Chad's uh, digital versions make it as clear, but all three of these covers connect. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. They, yeah. they, they make it clear. Yeah, I, they... I, wish I, I wish I wanted to recreate that. With like a mod, nah, fuck it, whatever. Just go ahead. <laughs> I, know, I know, I think I know where you're going with. But yes, the uh, 
they, they connect basically left to right. So Kyle's cover is on the left. The, the middle cover, which has Alan Scott on the cover, connects that and Jenny. So, but this this issue, the cover title anyway, is a father enraged. What's the actual title? Like father, like son, which at least is consistent from the previews from the month before. Sure. Um, so we have Obsidian talking about I'm here to do what I have to, father. I'm here. I'm here to kill Brainwave, which is kind of interesting because the while we hear that going on, and of course this is foreshadowing to what we're going to find at the end, we see a a green hand reaching for Alan's power battery. While this, while we hear Obsidian talking, but we don't see Obsidian talking, but that all makes sense soon enough. And you have Alan Scott pretty much say, you know, I'm Alan Scott, and I'm, you know, and I'm watching my son murder a man. You know, Obsidian is just, you know, is is rip, you know, is really ripping into Brainwave as Alan Scott brings people up to snuff in case for some reason they had missed issue one. And Alan, you know, Obsidian's like, tell me what you know. What do you know? And Alan Scott's just trying to get him back off. He's like, you got to get control of yourself. You don't want this man's blood on your hands. And he's talking, you know, and uh, Brainwave is kind of mumbling about, you know, you know, wild and magic inside and chaos and all this stuff. And when, you know, Alan Scott just puts his hands on Obsidian to try to calm him down. And he kind of just like, don't touch me. And he, and he throws him off. Kyle, you know, enters the fray and he tr- and he kind of says, you know, listen, you, your dad tried to treat you with kid gloves, but trust me, I'm not. And he even references the fact, you know, that when uh, Obsidian showed up at his apartment before there was a, let's just say there was a conflict shortly after Jenny kind of was with Kyle. Uh, now, Alan, now Alan Scott tries to tell Kyle, you know, let's, let's not, you know, get him going. Let's not, you know, add more fuel to the fire here. I think I can deal with this. And it's like, now, Todd, like, what were you thinking? What are you doing here? And he and Obsidian, you know, Todd just goes, you know, Jenny and I have a connection. It's like, I knew something happened to her, you know. I knew it all along, and I knew the prime suspect was him. <laughs> and you see, you know, Brainwave looking particularly nutty in the corner, and he keeps mumbling about, you know, about full of chaos, chaos inside chaos. I can see see you, see behind your eyes, I know. And Obsidian's like, you're raving. Shut up. But of course, as we find out shortly, he's not really entirely raving. Uh... Alan Scott keeps looking for an explanation. And, you know, Todd's like going, you're the one who really should explain. You're more worried about, you know, a psychopath's welfare than, you know, trying to find out what happened to your daughter. Like some father you are. Aren't you supposed to be your father? Where's your priorities? Uh, (laughs) Dr. Quinn, not medicine woman, then shows up. It's two incredibly bulky orderlies who then take brainwave away. And, you know, Brainwave keeps rambling on a wild card you can't see, but I can see eyes inside. Beware of him. Madness if he's set free. Madness. You know, and Kyle just thinks, you know, Todd's kind of like really freaked him, freaked out Brainwave anyway, but that's kind of not what's really been going on because Kyle kind of used this as a moment to try to almost like bond <laughs> with Obsidian saying, you know, we kind of have this thing in common because you really weren't raised by your father and I really wasn't raised by my father. And, you know, Todd doesn't really give a crap at what Kyle's saying. It's just kind of like, a true father doesn't abandon his children. And then Todd just goes, I'm sick of this pretense. He'll want you. You're a a vestige of the ones who imprisoned him. And Kyle, of course, is lost. But he gets, but Obsidian attacks Kyle. Uh, While uh, Alan Scott's, before he enters the fray, he kind of, he kind of lends a helping hand, green energy-wise, to 
Dr. Quinn to get her out of the the, the psych cell there. And uh, Alan Scott still doesn't quite know what's going on. You know, he tries to he tries to reach Todd, and more more importantly, he tries to figure out what's going on because, as he says, I have to believe Todd's not himself. So the question is, you know, who is he? Uh, the you know the the battle continues outside because uh, this green energy tiger that Alan creates Alan creates it right uh, yes yeah because Kyle's still kind of incapac- kind of being choked out of his brain there that that breaks through the wall of the asylum so now so now they're outside in the in the rain duking it out with obsidian and obsidian just keeps going on about you know. I've been open to the, to the, my true nature, the same as my sister will be, and there's nothing you can do. You know, the, the battle continues. Uh, Kyle's a little more willing to, for logical reasons, to engage Obsidian, and Alan Scott kind of keeps doubting himself to what's going on. They keep fighting. Alan's like, "I'm your father. Tell me what happened." No, no, he goes. "You're not my father. My father's shown me things." My father's shown me my destiny. And then Alan Scott, as he's kind of fading out into unconsciousness, goes, should I have known? I had no reason to even suspect. There was no hint. Nothing to tell me there was something hiding in the darkness. And we wake up in this, in this is pretty, it's very interestingly drawn. You, know, you got a car, you got almost, <laughs> you got eyeballs and snakes and magic cards and almost like a, on the bottom right hand, it's a double splash page, and in the bottom right of the splash page, it's almost like a pseudo version of the holographic uh, or hologram chess set from Star Wars. Almost, that's what it looks like. <laughs> now, uh, you know, Obsidian's just like, "Can you hear me? Wake up, both of you. We're here." And of course, Kyle has no clue where they are. And all, and then we, when Kyle asks, you know, where, you know, where's here? We hear my realm, and then we see a green living embodiment of the Star Heart who is more in human form now than the last time Alan encountered him. He's holding Jenny in one hand by the wrist, and he's holding uh, excuse me, Alan's power battery in the other hand. Um, yeah, Alan Scott just kind of like, again to himself, it's like so obvious. I was blind not to realize this earlier, or did I just not want to admit it to myself? You know, he, he Alan confronts the Starheart, and he goes, you know, let her go now. And, and Starheart just kind of goes, you're... You know, you're threatening me. It's like you don't understand where you are. It's like, uh, you know, and the mere fact that basically Alan Scott just still possesses like a small portion of the Starheart's power, but still, uh, Kyle tries to create this big gun to try to, you know, to uh, take out the Starheart, and Starheart points out, "You're just so anxious to follow in his footsteps." I said, "This is my realm. I'm invincible here." And you know, Jenny's kind of concerned for both, but she at first goes, she worries about her father first. While well, well, Kyle's kind of buried under rubble, and you know, Jenny's okay because Starheart wouldn't has not hurt her, and apparently wouldn't hurt her physically. Um, Jenny goes over to Kyle now and says, you know, she's really glad that he's okay, that he's here, and this is when Kyle kind of asks for an explanation about Starheart, and then. And Alan kind of fills everybody back in about how the Starheart was all the random magic in the universe, that the Guardians of the Universe, you know, when they tried to order the universe, they basically gathered it all together, and, and that was became or was the Starheart, um, which is one of the reasons why the Starheart, the embodiment of the Starheart here keeps referencing, you know, the Guardians, 
and people that entrapped him. And even, um, so that's all, that's how Kyle's, you know, Kyle plays into it, because he's kind of like the last last remnant of the, uh, of the Guardians of the Universe. So, you know, Starheart's just like, now all I am, now I am all you, you see around. I didn't say that well. Now I am all you'll see around you. I am the entirety of this realm. The form you have taken is for your benefit, something your limited senses can grasp. I am pure magic, and I have grown strong. I will spread myself through the universe and destroy the clockwork cosmos inspired by the Guardians. And Alan Scott's kind of like, what does this madness have to do with my kids? It's like, your children, they're not your children, they're mine. And he just points out that, you know, basically, you may have you may have been, the, you know, given the genetic uh, material to create them, but the powers that they have are because of me. Did you just think just because you wore a, ma a, a, a magic ring, an appropriate use of the term now, mind you, <laughs> just because you wore a magic ring on your, figure, on your finger that your kids would automatically have powers? It's like... Yeah, I'm the reason why they have powers. It's like, it's like, even though Jenny, you know, is resisting him now, eventually she's going to give in. It's like she will yield eventually. All, all the stray bits of myself inevitably return to me, even what you once used as a battery. And we see Starheart put uh, Alan's battery towards his chest, and he basically absorbs the battery into him. And, you know, Kyle's just kind of, like, confused by all this. He's kind of asking Alan, you know, is everything that the Starheart is saying, is it true? And, you know, pretty much, you know, Alan Scott's pretty much, he really doesn't say that it is, but the mere fact that the Starheart says, of course it is. You know, Alan Scott knows that everything I'm saying, you know it to be true, that kind of thing. And Alan Scott doesn't deny it, so Kyle kind of knows that he's, that he's kind of there, that everything he's saying is there is true. Starheart just goes, you know, the, the whole of your power is only the smallest fraction of me. You can't stop me. Alan Scott tries to make him a deal, which is like you basically take back this, take back that small piece of power of yours, take it back from me, and just leave, you know, and, and leave my kids. That's my offer. And, you know, Starheart kind of essentially flips him the bird and goes, the boy is mine already, but I'll allow the girl to make, you know, to make her own mind up. That that's that's our deal, and that's more than you deserve. And you know, Jenny's all upset. No, Daddy, you can't. And it's at that point, you know, the Starheart has taken the power. We see Alan Scott is a is a really 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 old man now in street clothes, and pretty much Alan Scott starts clutching his heart and falls to the ground, seemingly die, dead or dying. And that ends part two. Before we get into it, I was looking it up uh, while Marker's recapping Extreme Justice. Uh, the relevant points, uh, there there was something involving Firestorm. He found out he, uh, Ronnie found out he had leukemia, and he, he uh, and also it got cured in that same uh, that same series. Uh, and he also started a, an issue with alcoholism. Uh, but uh, something into Green Lantern fans because I highly doubt we're ever going to cover these issues, uh, just because it's Extreme Justice. Um, Carol Ferris was involved in that series. Uh, so I figured, since we mentioned Extreme Justice, we might as well talk about it real quick. I'm reading from Wikipedia, and this is all we'll, we'll have here. Carol would not be gone from the world of superheroism for long. She became the administrator of Extreme Justice's Mount Thunder facility. God, the 90s. <laughs> Her time with the team came with the revelation that she was pregnant, despite not having sex, 
and the realization that the child was the unborn life essence of the child conceived when the predator entity raped the first star sapphire. <laughs> God. That, and again, guys, we're not laughing at rape. We're rap- laughing at the 90s. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the sad part is I think actually when you're talking about this, some of this actually sounds familiar. <laughs> Furthermore, it was revealed that the Star Sapphire was not Carol transformed as had previously been believed, but some sort of energy-based being who inhabited Carol's body. Shortly after giving birth to their child, Neron, Neron, whatever, appeared and offered to purge her of these two entities. Carol agreed and then watched as the now separate entities, Predator and Star Sapphire, were killed by him, who departed with their baby in his arms. This is Extreme Justice 10 and 11. And then, thank God, the next sentence. Ultimately, though, the events of Infinite Crisis effectively wiped out the above-mentioned stories. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably as much of a... Of a Green Lantern, a, uh, us covering that side of Green Lantern's history as you're going to get. So take that with a grain of salt, folks. Infinite Crisis helps. Thank you, Jeff Johns. <laughs> uh, but back to this issue. Uh, there is a point in here, just guys. Uh, now, you can clarify it for me. Remember I told you some of these uh, narrative boxes are a little hard to read. Does it say, you know, in, in the panel where Alan says, remember I told you the battery was a stray fragment of it, all that stuff? Does, he, does that say Green Lantern Qu- Quarterly 8? Oh, it's it's the the print is so small on on the reference points. Um, I think it, I think it is an eight, but it's okay. really hard to read. Yeah, okay, so it's hard to read in yours too. All right, so um, just a heads up, guys, we will cover that storyline uh, at the fourth quarter of next year. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. when we're on track to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Plan, plan your calendar accordingly. That's right. <laughs> so we will get to it, guys. And this is one of those rare times we can tell you when. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one of the things we didn't mention because it wasn't relevant until now, I really, 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 really like how this three-issue series makes it a point of covering the storyline from the cover character's perspective. The first issue covered it from Kyle's perspective. Uh, the second issue covers it from Alan's perspective. And, of course, as we'll get into issue three, it covers it from Jenny's perspective. I do like that. I mean, even though the storyline is advancing from issue to issue, the perspective changes. I think that's really cool. Yes, that was a nice touch. Um I do like how Alan holds back against fighting uh, Obsidian. Um, but I feel like Jenny is his favorite. Oh yeah. But I don't, I don't like the idea of Alan Scott having a favorite among his kids. Regardless of, regardless of how Obsidian acts and has acted in the past, I don't like the idea of Alan playing, uh, just, just, just of how I think of Alan in my head. Like how, how I, how I define his personality. In my mind, my Alan Scott doesn't play favorites with his kids. I mean, obviously, he has a closer relationship with Jenny just because of Obsidian's, you know, just because of who he is. Uh, he's he's, an, he, he's he, an idiot he, a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, and he, and, he, and he pushes away Alan, so I get that. I get that Alan would be closer to Jenny just because of 
the kids' efforts to have a relationship with Alan and Alan not imposing himself on them. But I, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that Alan has favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't but, know if that but, makes but sense. Ulti- but. but in the cosmic scheme of things, it's probably it's realistic though. Because, I guess because deep deep down, most people, most I think, I think people do tend to have favorites. They may not. They may be a little more. They may be covert about it. They may try to let. Pl- they may not try to show favoritism when they can, but. But deep, deep down, if you have, whether it's kids, whether it's you know, whether it's friends, whether it's pets, usually in, in your mind somewhere deep down, there's a there's a pecking order that if that if you had to rank them, that you knew you you could. It was not an, not like an endless, an, an impossible task. So and and it, and this, like you said, you kind of in a way gave the explanation if he needed one right there for why it may not even truly be that Jenny is his favorite it's just the fact that jenny's the one that he's the only one that he has a real any kind of real close relationship with so it's it just it's not i mean so it may be less about playing favorites as it is just about one one's a more well-developed or partially developed relationship and one's just not even though he he wants it or he's trying but it takes two to tango i guess but I can, but I can understand your point. I can, I, I can understand your point. Ide- from an idealistic point of view, yes, you would like to think that he would treat both kids equally, even, even when one's an asshole, <laughs> a dangerous asshole at that. What do you think? I liked it when I went back and I reread these for the first time when we were originally going a couple of weeks ago when we were going to do the storyline. I, it did remind. When I first started reading it, I just remembered the name, but I of the arc, and I knew I had it, but I didn't remember anything that happened in it. But then once once I started rereading it, then it made sense that this was the Starheart story. I liked it. I liked I liked I liked the switch. I even liked in the beginning when we even when we don't even know what's going on entirely. Just the uh, when you see that green hand reaching for the power battery. How yeah. in, in Star in Starheart's realm that you know that. Part because he's controlling and he's got the influence of Obsidian, which is probably the reason why he's able to hear what Obsidian's saying. But the fact that Obsidian's saying those things to his father about attacking Brainwave at the same time he's, you know, Starheart's reaching for the battery, but now it makes sense in the correlation, in the relationship between the two characters of why that makes sense. See, I, I, I kind of like that. I thought that was, I thought that was well done. And. The artwork is pretty good. I like even in the opening double splash page of Obsidian ripping into, kind of picking up where we left off when he's ripping into Brainwave. I mean, all that black energy, like like, like ink, pretty much just, or like a symbiote, just like going all over him. Yeah. Um, I mean, in reference to the Alan Obsidian relationship, Alan says as much himself when he's fighting Obsidian. He's never said so, but part of him's always resented me for not being a father to him. There's a distance between us. So he says it there. Just for reference of people listening. Uh, so is this a whole universe that he's created? Or is it, you think it's like kind of like a pocket universe? I was just going to say, I, I would suspect it's a, it's a pocket universe. Okay. It's a, it's a magic universe. Whether it's uh, but it's probably a pocket. Cause, but you got an Ankh in there. You have yeah. the Ankh in the back with some of the serpents going behind it. I'm trying to think what else that we see. We got the eyeballs and um, hey, look, it's Muck Muck. 
He's back! I'm back. Um, got the car. Yeah, I I think it's just a it's a pocket. I think it's like a basically a pocket magic universe, if you will. Where's Cthulhu? What? Where's Cthulhu? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, there's tentacles all over this place. That's true. There, there really are. <laughs> and oh, man. All right, anything else? Let me see if there's any interesting ad in here real quick. I don't want to slow us down. No, don't worry. I don't have the ad, so go ahead. Uh, oh, did the aliens kidnap the Dark Knight? Batman, the abduction. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. Never uh, read it, but I've, I've, I've seen enough ads. To, I remember the ad. That. I never read it either. Uh, Batman and Robin Adventures, Sub-Zero, uh, which is uh, the comic book from the, t- from the TV show, from the uh, animated series. Hmm. Yeah. Other than uh, oh, and they had the the wiz the wizard fifth annual fan awards ballot is in this issue. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I just for a second there for a second there I don't know why I don't know if I'm a mind space or what I thought you were talking about like an ad for the wiz. <laughs> <laughs> and this just are taking one. Uh, <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. Uh, but we're glad there's not an ad for that. Uh, I just like the fact the favorite comic, TV, or movie project, and these are your these are your choices: the Batman, Superman Adventures, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Yes. <laughs> Spawn the HBO cartoon, the real Spawn movie, or Spider-Man the animated series. That was your only choices back then. Superman. I'd choose Superman. This tells you how long ago it is. The greatest comic book moments of 1997. One of the choices is Thunderbolts revealed as the master of evil from Thunderbolts number one. So, but yeah, it is amazing what you find in some of these issues. But, <laughs> All right, issue three. Issue three. Issue three. Jade on the cover. I don't like that costume. Uh, a no, hero. Do I. A hero no more on the cover, and the uh, of course the uh, issue. Inside is called Father's Day. Uh, we l- pick up exactly where we left off. Uh, Alan is old and dying. Um, she's recapping what just happened. Uh, you know, save your strength, Dad. Uh, she refers to Kyle in her narrative as a roommate. Uh, obviously, there's you know something more between them, but uh, Kyle puts up a construct uh, construct medical uh, bed, uh, a doctor, uh, and he's got an IV drip as well. Not sure how that works, but okay. Um, uh, he says I'm a little shy on medical know-how, pretty much what I got from ER, but I think I can keep him stable for a little while, but he needs to be in a hospital. Um, he asks how she's doing. She's like, my father's dying. Uh, what do you, how do you think I'm doing? Uh, he says, you know, it'll be okay. Uh, I, I never really had a dad, but I don't let you, I won't let you lose yours. Um, she thinks he's a knight in shining armor and she knows how hard those are to find. They have to do, go through the star heart to defeat him. He says that, uh, the star heart, you know, says, uh, his was a noble sacrifice. The kind a father might make though. Of course he isn't your father. The bargain we made was his youth in exchange for your free will. The decision is yours. Accept me. Embrace your destiny as your brother has already done. And she says, I'm not like you. No, you still believe you're blessed with powers because your father had a magic ring. My essence is an ember within you. Look around you. The entirety of this realm is my being. 
You see how vast my power is. You could share in it, near, be nearly what I am if you open yourself to it. She says no, and the, the gem in her hand, or I never really understood that, but the piece of power in her hand lights up. She says, what makes you think I'd want that? She says, what you are. And uh, Obsidian tries to convince uh, convince her it doesn't work. Uh, you know, you've always been protective of me. What's wrong with you? Uh, uh, were you, were you, even on a subconscious level, were you trying to keep the Starheart's prize safe? Is that now you even use your power against me? Uh, so Alan, uh, or not Alan, Kyle knocks out Obsidian. He says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm not going to let you down, your dad. He says, she says, it's not your fight. He says, I'm not here to be a spectator. Uh, he says, the Guardians locked you up once, Starheart. How hard could it be to do again? <laughs> there, there, there we go. Because we all know what the Guardians can do. Kyle can do just like that. That's right. <laughs> oh, God. And, he, and, and uh, Starheart says, didn't you learn anything? And he says, uh, he and one of the worm things comes up and takes him. He says, uh this is between me and you, not not me and the landscape. And he says, I am the landscape. And you, you've used the last of my patience. Uh, a bunch of construct little gremlins start uh, climbing up Kyle. And he says, you are the last vestige of my former captors. The, I wonder, would the guardians of the universe be proud of their legacy? The end result of their obsession with the clockwork cosmos is an adolescent human wielding a pathetic bauble. Do you know? Do you want to know what true power is? Possibility. The absolute a- absence of structure and reason and limit. Everything in the order imposed by the Guardians wasn't. That's what I am. I am chaos. I am the stuff of the creation before the Guardians. Before anything, there was chaos. And there will be again. When I've spread myself through the universe, it can start with stuffing out the last, snuffing out the last symbol of the order. Um... Uh, he, he's grown super big, and he's you know got Kyle in his grasp. Jenny then flies up and says, you know, let him go, and I'll do what you ask. Uh, you've used our love for each other against us. You know, her, referring to her and her father. You claim to be my father, but a real father would never do that to his child. But I'll be what you want me to be. And uh, Starheart says, their paltry lives will mean nothing to you once you've become. But I will free them if you will join me. Kyle tries to convince her not. She does it anyway. They kiss. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, she says... Little... Jenny and Kyle kiss, not Starheart and Jenny. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that clarification. Uh, it's all right, Kyle. And she flies off. Um, do whatever it is you're going to do. And he says, your mind is so is so, so small now you can't possibly imagine what awaits you to wonder. You'll revel in it when you've left behind your frail mora- uh, morality. Mortality. No, mortality. Yeah, there you go. Um Really, it's the Starheart. He could have said either. Um, <laughs> come on, come on. She says she's ready, and he says, fulfill your potential. It's too late for Todd, but not for my father, not for Kyle. The only way to save them is to turn my back on them and myself. She's transformed. Um, she, her eyes go all yellow. Uh, the black parts of her costume go all... Um, well, basically, you guys remember Ion's costume, and I mean from the 12-issue series where Kyle was Ion. Um, you know how the black parts were a very star it had like stars in it the black parts of her costume have stars in it she goes very cosmic on us and even in her hair kind of like uh, Donna Troy um, and she says I understand now this is what you meant I'm everything you are he says nearly so much power thanks for giving it to me father and she attacks him um, and <laughs> he Kyle says let him have both barrels Jen just don't squash us in the process um, 
Alan uh, wakes up and grabs Kyle and says, we can't let her slip away from us. We have to do something. Uh, and Kyle's like, I don't know if I can do anything. Uh, Starheart says, I expected your, uh, I expected betrayal. You're still clinging to a few shreds of what you were, but what's done is done. You can't deny what you've become. She's still fighting him, but the power is trying to like grasp at her. She says, seductive, pulling at me, a temptation. Um, she says, you want KS? I've got plenty. He says, of course you do, but you're still only a reflection of what I am. You're not ready to stand against me. Um, she says, you know, she feels something happen. And, you know, what are you doing? Um, and she kind of uh, becomes enveloped in power. She says she has to let go that of who she was and the hero she was and surrender herself to the chaos. So her body becomes a living green fire. And she blasts a hole through the star heart, which doesn't kill them, but they just become energy, basically. Um, they, they, they no longer have form, either of them. Um, they're you know, crackling energy and waves of energy fighting each other. Uh, Kyle's like, I don't know what's happening. And he says, uh, Alan says she's winning and we're losing her. Um, you know, she needs something to hang on to anchor her. I can't do it, but you can. Kyle says, you know, for Jenny, go out there. Uh, he tries to get at her. He says, you know, reach, reach for me, Jen. Who am I going to share my, share my, uh, Ben and Jerry's with? I need you. Your father needs you. She reaches out to him. All of a sudden, uh, everything goes white, this big blast of light, and then they wake up in a field in the middle of nowhere, and, and uh, everything's fine. Kyle's like, okay, well, where's your, where's Alan? He's okay. He's over there with Todd. Um, he's, uh, Alan says, I'm pretty good shape for a senior citizens, all things considered. Uh, maybe not quite as young as I was before, but still feel like a new man again. I've gotten rid of the chest symbol, didn't seem right wearing a star over my heart anymore. And my power's back too. Maybe not an endless supply, but it's there. Um, Kyle's still confused, as is the reader. As to <laughs> what, what, <laughs> and as what, are you now, the listener. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell happened? Uh, so he asked Alan, and uh, Alan says, uh, Jenny, but she couldn't have done it without what you did. You came through. I'm real proud of you. Um, uh, Obsidian's like, hey, you don't need to keep your distance. I'm back to normal too, by the way. Which means keep your distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, Kyle's like, well, why the long face? And and he's everything came out all right. She said almost, and he says that means what? Um, and she says uh, all of her powers are gone. Uh, I'm g- going to miss not being what I was, but I couldn't. I wouldn't be Alan Scott's daughter if I couldn't adjust to it. The people I care about are all right and that's magic enough for me and the end what do you think yeah the ending wasn't as good as the setup i don't think no uh even when the the comic tries to explain it to you all alan's answer is jenny (laughs) he didn't tell us what jenny did (laughs) or anything (laughs) what are you asking me for i was 150 years old two seconds ago I find it interesting in the in the actual physical comic that they actually have a letters page for this three issue series. They they do, and I have it right here too. Yeah, it's it's kind in of, mine it, as well. It's kind of interesting, especially because this actually p- tells us exactly in perspective when this occurs, because they talk about uh, Future Shock coming mm-hmm. right at the end of this. Uh, don't reveal the last page. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've already done that storyline. Too bad. <laughs> Okay, so this is right before Future Shock. Yeah, so. right. Before, so by the time this by the time this finished up, this was right before Future Shock. So we guess we assume when this started, they must have been what issue ninety five, probably. 
<clears throat> somewhere around 95. If it came out monthly, right? This was monthly, I assume. Yeah, well, this one of one of the one of the stories uh, or one of the responses, one of the letters mentions exactly what you said. Good news, Paul Pelletier is the semi-regular artist on GL, sharing the honors with Daryl Banks. After the double size issue on hundred by Daryl, Paul will be doing every other issue: one hundred two, yep. one hundred four, one hundred six, volunteering with the fabulous Jeff Johnston on one on one, one hundred three, and one hundred five. Then Daryl's back with one hundred seven. Woo! So, hmm. There was some good art, though. There was some cool stuff with uh, the Starheart versus Jenny. That mm-hmm. was pre- that was pretty cool. Um, and to let you guys know, um, since this happens right before Future Stock, I'm just going to call it issue number 100. 100. Um, Jenny would not get her powers back for about another 50 issues. She gets them back uh, when Kyle becomes Ion for the first time. But I don't remember specific. I have to reread it uh, again, even though I reread it a billion times. I, I fo- my memory of it focuses more on Kyle than all the other characters. But I remember she gets the powers back, but I don't remember if she gets a ring or if he gives her her powers back. I, I'm pretty sure she she gets her powers back. Right, because like, she, she has the it ring. She has the ring first. Right, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is. Um, Kyle essentially reignites it. Like he he tells her in his omniscient state as Ion that the power was always inside of her. It just needed to be reignited. It was almost like a switch was turned off and he just needed to turn it back on. So before he gives up the power of Ion, he switches it back on. So I'm pretty sure that's where that happens is the Ion storyline. Like her natural power comes back in, in 50 issues, about 50 issues. I think that that think that is correct too. That does sound familiar. That time frame. Alan's costume looks weird without something in the chest. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, I guess to kind of explain it, you know, Kyle's like, "My God, it's like she's pure magic tearing the Starheart apart. There's hardly anything of it left." So I guess the Starheart, the, the Starheart was just torn apart and reduced to random energy. So that's why. That's why it's not a sentient presence anymore because it's been so utterly ripped apart, but it still exists. That's why Alan has some of his power. Guess that makes sense. Did good an explanation as any. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it. I do like the effect, especially in this comic, of all the shadow parts on uh, on Jenny being starry background. I've always liked that effect for some reason. It can be kind of distracting depending on who's doing the art, though, and sometimes, uh, because it's an effect that's used widely. Like, for instance, it's used here. It's used uh, with Donna Troy. It's used when Ion was uh, uh, when Kyle Rayner was Ion in that in the Jeff Johns era, not in the first time he was Ion. Um, it's used by. It's a little less distracting here because it's just a costume, but uh, Starboy from the Legion of Superheroes when he's all nuts and crazy. His costume does that, but it, it, it's a really cool effect when you see it. Star, Mister Starheart here looks like he should be hanging out with uh, Necron in the First Lantern. I was about to say the First Lantern. Yeah, yeah he looks very. He, besides looking very First Lantern esque, it's a, just his philosophy, and especially along with along with Necron, and kind of like returning the, uni- the universe to its natural state. It was kind of interesting. And now I don't. Good. No, go ahead. You were going to say something. I was just going to say you're right. I was 
that was during the Ion storyline that her powers were restored. Okay. So you were correct. Your memory of that was on the money. Uh, I, I haven't read every single uh, like sentient Starheart appearance, but I'm. Was there, to your knowledge, was there ever one where the Starheart had two different personalities, or there's two different parts of it? Because obviously the Starheart gave Alan the power and saved his life in the beginning, and he used that power to be a hero. And it, you know, it's it's a helpful power, so there has to be some benevolence to the Starheart somewhere. So do you think there's like a, that this was just a dark side of the Starheart showing itself, manifesting itself as a sentient personality, as a dominant sentient personality? Has there ever been a, a, a storyline where the Starheart was a benevolent? I don't remember that, but I'm not sure if it would have been where that would have appeared too because I don't think it would have been in the Green Lantern proper series it probably would have been um because there was a Starheart appearance in the um Superman Green Lantern thing yeah the Emerald Flame or whatever it was yeah but that wasn't a benevolent Starheart right. it seems like every time we see the Starheart it's 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 an evil manifestation of the random magic in the universe uh, coalescing into a sentient personality. But there has to be a benevolent side to it somewhere because it saved Alan's life and gave him power. And the whole the whole thing of the Starheart coming, you know, the prediction, you know, once to bring death, next to bring life, the third to bring power. You know, so... And the time it brought death was for a good cause. So there's got to be a benevolent side to it somewhere, you would think, just based on the history of the Starheart in general. But I don't know if we've ever seen a manifestation of that benevolent side. Off the top of my head, I can't remember it, which doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just, I, I, yeah, most, I think pretty much when we have seen the Starheart, it's it's been in, in certainly in a negative light. So yeah, it's hard to. Off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of it. Excuse me. And what what about its relationship to the rest of the DC universe? Because he says, I am chaos. And in the DC universe, the lords of chaos and order are the same thing, are, are, are a thing. You know, like, for instance, uh, Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate has a big tie into the lords of chaos and order. So is, is the Starheart... The Lord of Chaos? Is he a Lord of Chaos? Is he a servant of Chaos? Because he mentions Chaos. And the Guardians being servants of order. So is... I mean, he says, I am Chaos. So is he really? Is he one of... You know, have, right. you know, have, you know like, is he a part of it? Is, is he it? Like, what? What is, what is... What is Chaos in reference to this story? I mean, they they don't they don't tie it into the rest of the DC universe like that. But because I know the DC universe, I know that the Lords of Chaos and Order are a thing. So I wonder how it relates to all of that. I wonder, and for forgetting this particular story, have we ever seen that in regards to other Starheart stories? If the Starheart and magic in general are chaos, have we ever seen before? 
the explanation of chaos and order and has starheart ever been presented as part of chaos interesting it's hard, hard to, yeah i don't know and, and and if that's true and let's say there is no benevolent just for the sake of argument let's say there is no benevolent side and has never been a benevolent side of the starheart then how can someone with the power of chaos serve using the that power for order unless it's more like an elemental thing where it doesn't necessarily where even why it's doing what it's doing is just it's not even though this version of the star heart certainly seems to have a plan that it's more like the idea that it is what it is it exists and it just kind of everything it does it just kind of it it just more like flows it doesn't really and maybe if you have that power that it basically depends on you on how you use it that it's not necessarily as yeah. controlling as as what we saw in this instance with trying when it was going out of its way to con convert obsidian but maybe it's more like you have it and you can and you do what you want but you it doesn't necessarily control you um, it's just there it's it's a it's a piece of it becomes a piece of you and you decide how to use it I'm not sure it's uh I know what you're saying though it's 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 inter it's it's a very interesting very interesting to try to figure that out guys let us know if you know anything all right anything else you want to say about this it was a fun read it was a good three issue arc for sure I can't believe we haven't covered it on the show before to, to my knowledge <laughs> Hot of pretty... darkness. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, this guy's uh, this episode was a, a definitely a part of the 75th anniversary uh, crossover event uh, that we're having with several different uh, Green Lantern-related blogs, Twitter pages, Instagram pages, podcasts uh, related to Green Lantern. Uh, be sure to absolutely please check out the hashtag across the various social medias, hashtag GL75TH, gl 70 75th. <laughs> Take the fifth, the 75th. <laughs> Green Lantern 75th, uh, or GL 75th. Um, there are a lot of amazing and informative posts out there, uh, uh, be they podcasts or more specifically blog uh, posts out there that are definitely, definitely, definitely worth the read. Um, so I'd highly, highly, highly recommend you check those out. Um, we'll be using it in relation to all of our posts in the month of June and July, and probably maybe even a little after. But the official celebration is June, July, between all of us. But, uh, you know, the whole year is, is the 75th anniversary of Green Lantern, so I'm sure we'll be doing more exciting content with it in, in the months following July. Um, but I definitely recommend you guys uh, uh, check that out. Uh, and, uh, Mark, how can they, how can they uh, get a hold of us and and uh, be able to click on that uh, that hashtag uh, as we use it. <laughs> well, they can get in touch with us. They can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Please visit our website, lanterncast.com, to, as Chad mentioned, to find out more about the GL 75th anniversary event, to get our latest uh, episodes, movie reviews, ring encyclopedia episodes, just latest news in general, along with our Along with our Facebook page, that's pretty good for that too. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and the aforementioned Facebook. Uh, use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on either or both, please leave us a positive review. 
Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN. And let us know what you think, people. Please. Please. <laughs> Don't make Chad beg again. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Uh, next episode, we've, we've got a couple of things in the mark uh, in the works that Mark and I already talked about, and one of which we've actually mentioned in this episode already. Ah. So you'll figure it out. It's extreme justice. That's yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's our it's our big crossover between extreme extreme justice and uh, oh, I was gonna say Lord please, but no uh, threshold threshold. That's what I went blank on actually. Like, it's our threshold extreme justice crossover, which will be coming at you in 2025 <laughs> when when the when the fourth generation hosts will be doing it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, yeah, keep your ear, uh, your your ears and your eyes peeled for uh, the the upcoming content because we've got a couple of uh, uh, a couple more exciting things, and I'm working on something myself that requires a whole lot of audio editing <laughs> that uh, I hope I can get out sometime in uh, sometime this month. Yeah, so uh, I, I owe you, but my part of that, which I really meant to do in June, so I will try to. Try to get that in the next week. They have no idea what I'm talking about, but I do. So that's why that's when I hadn't forgotten since the last time we talked. But I didn't want you to think that I just have to. The one good thing is that I just need to be able to have some time and just record for that. So that's a good thing. I I think I'm going to split that up. Actually, I think I'm going to do it in like eras, if you know what I mean. I think I can say that without yeah, that would make giving it away. Like I I don't think I'll have the whole thing ready by the end of the month, but I think I can do part one, which will be obviously. You know, you know what it'll be. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, uh, look forward to that, uh, guys. And uh, again, hashtag GL seventy fifth. Talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Good night.